Shirt Show. All right, let's go. Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! Talking Shirt! Shirt Show! All right, episode 18 of Shirt Show. We're talking with Ron from Talk Shirting to Me in Pennsylvania. Let's go! So what's up? What's happening? Oh, I'm just like living at work, working at home. Yeah. Yeah. No. Look at that beautiful shot behind you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Dylan, we go way back. You remember when I just stumbled in your shop looking for a Craigslist buy? And- <laughs> That's no. what we'll call it. It was a Craigslist buy. It wasn't the, like- the lonely ads. Did he buy, uh, did he buy uh, some equipment or did he buy like a trampoline from you? Oh boy! Well, that, <laughs> he didn't buy anything. I didn't. I didn't showed up, and he just started filming me full of, full of knowledge. I got fired up. I was speeding home, and I actually blew the engine block on my Audi. So that was cool. <laughs> I was really fired up to get back to the shop. Ron, uh, Ron was coming to look at my old uh, Precision Oval, mm. and I'm glad you didn't buy it. I am too. Yeah. But you and I had like some really cool transactions over the years. Yeah. It's, been a, it's been a long time. I know. We got to make something happen here. <laughs> well, we're going to have lunch next week, right? I can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. So tell me about uh, the new place. So it's like a month and a half, and I bought this dump, right? Like 10,000 square foot dump. It was a tractor place that did, you know, supplies and they fixed stuff and they welded. There was like two inches of grease on the ground. And with COVID hitting, I bought it before, you know, everything broke down and, and then we couldn't close on it for like four months. It was just a disaster, but I wanted it really, really bad because we were busting at the seams. So when it came to close, they're like, Hey, we could close this really quick. The guy's like, I didn't move anything out. I'm like, (laughs) Oh my, I'm like, just leave it. I'll do it myself. So I saw you, uh, I saw you were posting on Facebook and Instagram and stuff, like all the shit that was in there. Did you end up selling it all? So some sold, like I didn't try to sell anything because I just kind of had to get it out, but I'm one to recycle a lot, you know? So I was, you know me, I like to cut deals. So I, uh, you know, I had all these Kubota parts, like one of my, I have a Kubota tractor, so I kept stuff for myself, but I'm like, I got to get my parking lot resealed and I got to get all this stuff done. I got to get a parking lot, you know, the yeah. lot huge. you'll see next week. I got to get that done. So I found an excavator who had a small shop and I'm like, he's like, how much you want for all this? I'm like, how about like two seal coats and free plowing for like two years? You can take all. <laughs> and he's like, "Deal." I'm like, you, "When do you want it out?" I'm like, "Tomorrow." He's like, "All right, I'll be there." He showed up and took everything. I'm like, "Thank you, thank you." That's awesome. So wait a second. Up. So wait a second. So you bought a building and it included everything in it, like it was almost like on Storage Wars or whatever that show's called, where you just buy this thing and then whatever's inside, it's also yours. So it went down like, like, here's the building. It's a date, like the day of the closing, the owner and I meet here. It's like they had a Christmas party and they moved into their new shop and just left everything here. The stockings were still hung. The parts were still (laughs) on the shelves. It seemed like anything that didn't have like a part number on it that they couldn't identify, they left on the shelves. So we're talking like thousand dollar salt skids. We're talking three point hitch. I mean, tons of tractor stuff. I hawked a lot of it. I scraped, you know, and then I had this guy who took it all for that trade, which, you know, my, my quote for the parking lot to be recoded and fixed was almost like $12,000 because of the size. So for me to unload it like that and know that somebody's going to use it and, you know, 
it made sense. But yeah, it went down like, here's the morning. Hey, what are you doing with that forklift? I don't know. You want it? Yes, I'll take it. You know, so like, it was like wicked, like wicked at the end. He just wanted to close real bad because he was on his new building and he wanted this out. So I, I got all of it. So that's just straight up your building now? Straight up my, my, my new digs. You said you, uh, you were going to try and buy it before COVID happened and then it happened and you still went on with it. I mean, did you ever for a moment pause and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to, you know what I mean? I'm, like I'm a, I'm a risk taker, you know? So uh, I'm a vet too. And when this all went down, I, I just kept going on, you know, I, I'm a survivor. So I just kept moving, moving on. Even um, when they told me I couldn't, I found a way that I could, you know? So I just kept moving and moving and moving, but this is something I had to do for, my company, um, you know, I had to put some personal savings into it. Nobody likes to do that, but it's either, you know, keep, keep your, your employees that are like your work family, you know, here to work and, um, you know, dip into your own savings as an owner. That's, you know, what I had to do in order for this dream to come true for the next chapter of, of talk Charity to me. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do basically, but I had no doubt in mind that this wouldn't work out. Um, if I second guess myself, I wouldn't be sitting in this position. Sure. You know? So how many square feet did you have before? And then what did you, what do you have now? So when I first started, I think I was in a 10 by 10 college apartment. Right. And then, um, my, the most recent shop, which I still have, uh, up on route six in, in Blakely PA, that's roughly about 3,200 square feet. And now we're at 10,000 square feet. So it's a significant jump up and we filled it up pretty quick with, you know, the new equipment and, you know, everything else. But, I feel great. You know, it's a huge undertaking, but a month and a half ago, this place compared to what it looks like now, it would blow your mind from the painting and everything else. So it's fun. I enjoy this. Yeah. I've seen like nonstop videos of you posting, like scraping the floors, painting everything and it's wicked. You know, burning wood. Oh, it's wicked. Oh, that was fun. Breaking <laughs> wood. Breaking <laughs> I mean, wood too. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. Hey, You're dropping. I, I had to throw that in there, but, um, <laughs> When I did the floor, like I had like a little taste. I'm like, I got this little torch. I'm going to do some pallet burning in the window. And then um, the floor here is like wicked old. I'm like, I want something that I could beat up. And I kind of took inspiration from your floor. It was like that beat up plank wood, you know? So I went up to the mill. I got this piney stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to just poly it. I'm going to burn right. it. So I go to where I go tractor supply and I got one of those like huge torches. Throwers. Yeah. Next thing I know, no leg hair, all my jewelry heated up. I got burn marks all over me. I almost like knocked myself out with the gas. I didn't have any windows. So I'm like, what am I doing? You know? So I had to kind of slow down because I was in like work overload. I wasn't really thinking late at night. So it's, it's been, uh, it's been challenging. Yeah. Well, I know I've, I've heard the, the Ron story before, but tell me, everyone who's listening, how did you get into it and what you did before and all that good stuff? Wow. So yeah. Um, you know, the, the not, the not five hour version, not the five hour. We'll go, we'll go, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get right to it. Uh, long story shirt. So I, um, got out of high school, went down to Florida, had some fun enlisted there, joined the military. I got, um, they were overloaded, overcrowded. Um, I was able to get discharged early, honorably, great, served it out in the reserves, went right into college. Um, from, Scr from Scranton, University of Scranton, I ran a speakeasy out of my basement. I probably had maybe three to 400 kids drinking 
in my basement every weekend and uh, it was paying my dorm, you know, all that. Uh, we have a small hometown. Hey, we got to get some shirts made for this huge parade. All right. So I go down to the local shirt guy. I get the bill came out to $30 a piece for like 23 shirts, one color front, one color back. And I said, there's gotta be a better way. Like, man, like what happened here? She goes, well, if you ordered 24, it would have went down to 15. I'm like, well, why didn't you just tell me that? She goes, well, that's not my job to tell you. I'm like, oh boy. So I had like a bad taste in my mouth. And when that happens, I kind of go all in, you know, like I'm, I, I'm ferocious. I want to find out what's going on. So I remember back in high school, I had an amazing art teacher. I did screen printing with him, the old stencil stuff. I'm like, I'm going to do this myself. Watch, I'm going to do this. So the following parade year, I, I made like my own little press, blah, 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 blah. I go to a bar. Hey, can I make your shirts? You buy the shirts, I'll print them. Made like 300, 400 bucks on that. And they looked like dog shit. And then I went on eBay and I bought like one of those little blue presses, you know, with the magnets. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. So here's my college dorm, 10 by 10. I, you know, we're sharing the apartment and I got a printing. I mean, it looked shady as shit. I got all this chemical and ink and like this weird looking machine in, in my dorm. The, the girls that would come over be like, what the hell is that? I'm like, don't worry. I'm just printing T-shirts like, you know, whatever it was. So, you know, college goes, law school, hated it, didn't want to do that joined corporate America. And I was like a sales trainer for admissions for a business school. So I was traveling around just helping people like, you know, to gain experience. Why would they want to come to your school? And I was like a motivator, but too much rain, you know, like just too much sunshine. They promised me all this stuff and then it just didn't come through on it. So I said, I quit. I quit. I'm going to leave this huge six figure job and I'm walk out. By the time I got to the parking lot, they're like, come back. We'll find you a replacement six months. You know, the story six months comes. No, it's just so much pressure, you know, working in corporate America like that. Um, so I just said, no, I'm done. I, I have this T-shirt gig on the side. I'm going to do that, whatever. So somehow I become a high school graphic teacher. I don't know, like walked in trying to donate old screen stuff I needed. And they're like, hey, do you ever think you want to teach high school? I'm like, no, absolutely not. No, no, never. Um, then I'm like kicking around. Yeah, maybe I'll sub for the rest of the years, like two weeks left. And I loved it. I really did. I loved it. So I started... Um, you know, played that political game, got in, became a teacher here in Northeastern PA and uh, met the love of my life shortly, right at the same time. And um, this was in my basement of my house. And then a year later, we decided, hey, we're going to move in together. And I couldn't do it out of my basement because I was moving up to the country. So we opened up our first shop and then boom, first shop opens, people start coming you know, they want something different because there's a lot of old people, like old school printers around here that, you know, the vellum, you know, the type of shops you walk in, stuff hasn't been updated. You know, how many times could you do a muscle, you know, body with an animal head on it? Like they were just getting sick and tired of it and we had something different. Um, but I just couldn't keep up part time. So school year comes, it's like Thanksgiving and my, my wife knows like my day was like 730 in the morning, teach the three three to like one o'clock in the morning at car washes, washing screens out, you know, like ice dripping. I mean, it was, it was just a wild ride and it, you know, Oh, it was exhausting. And she goes, why don't, why don't you just do that full time? And I'm like, I don't, I, I'm kind of scared. Like, you know, I have a pretty decent income. I got everything. She goes, well, you need to believe in yourself. I believe in you. And like that gave me the motivation to be like, that's all I needed to hear. I needed somebody to tell me that, they believe in me because I, I had a really rough upbringing. So it's not like I have a lot of motivators in my life. So she said, just go all in. What do you have to lose? So I said, all right. So I remember like my first day when I, when I said, I'm going to leave and I'm not coming back after Thanksgiving and I'm sitting in my office, like, 
well, what do I do with all this free time now? Because I'm not, I'm not working from seven to three. And then I'm going, wait, now I have all this time to create this. I could go out and do sales and still use the hours and still be on that, you know. So it was a lot of figuring out and following all of you guys too. I mean, social media is this kind of new and upcoming, but finding shops and people that I could talk to and say, hey, what can I do? How could I grow? And the collaboration, going to a show. I mean, I was boozing up at parades every March down at the Atlantic City show. We had the largest parade for St. Patrick's Day. So for like five years, I never went to a show. First show I went, bought a shit ton of equipment. I didn't even know the show existed. So it's those trial and error periods. Um, that shop immediately took off. I had to get a bigger shop. I moved two blocks over to a larger shop, which was like 10 by 25, which I thought was like, you know, big. So I had two manuals in there, stuffed to the, to the gills there. Moved to a, another shop like two years later. That's when I was looking for the auto. I met Dylan. And then a sign shop that was doing some of my work moved up to the highway and they had too much space. And they offered me to move. I'm like, dude, I just moved. I can't keep moving. People like, can't keep up with me. Like I have to keep a, uh, this location for six months to tell people to go there for six, you know. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to move in the middle of my busy season of October. So I moved to Route 6. And then um, it was still a jelly printing, which nobody, I mean, come on, a jelly. I mean, <laughs> write that shit down, right? And then try to remember that. I mean, it's, it was so hard. You can't say it one. They've been messing it up since I was a kid. You know, and everything I've done, they've messed it up. So my wife and I are out to eat and, and it's like, we can't keep going on as a jelly printing. It's just not, it's not what it is anymore. And, you know, we need to come up with a brand, something that we could sell later, you know, that's what we're behind. It's not about me. It's about a brand. And um, we were just throwing so many names around. And then Poison came on, talked dirty to me. And my wife, who's an English <laughs> teacher, she goes, talk dirty to me. And I said, let's go. Boom. Went right online, started the copyright paperwork. That took a little while. And then we just went with it. You know, and we went <laughs> and people love it. They go crazy for it. It's a good name in our area. Um, you know, it just exploded because we were new. We're not new but we are trying to change up the game. High quality stuff, great looking apparel, not just getting it out at a, at a, at a price point. But you know, through the time, I had to grow even more, but it was like, hey, do I stay where I'm at because I'm really comfortable or do I just keep going? And this is like my tipping point. I'm not going any bigger than this. Um, no. Anything I can't do here is going out. I am not doing So you're anything. saying that 10,000 feet there that you have, this building you bought, no matter what, this is it. This is as big as I'm going to get my production facility. The, the 10,000 square feet was an overage because I also brought in my embroidery. I had my embroidery at a whole different shop because I couldn't keep it at my other one. God, so that sounds, that sounds awful. My heads and I, yeah, so imagine COVID and you can't go anywhere. You know, you, you can't get to these shops. They, you know, if I was shut down. My area was shut down. They find me on the road, they find it. I mean, it was nuts. So... My whole thought process, 10,000 square feet, keep everything in house as much as I can and send all the crap out I don't want to do. I'll send it out to, you know, to the colleagues that I, that I know that could handle it and let them be good at what they could do best. You Plus, know? you can put out a lot of shirts at 10,000 feet. I mean, that's a lot of space, you know. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh, now, yeah. back there, I, I kind of recognize it. I want to I say I'm familiar with that press back I there. I would hope so. <laughs> we did the 1214 Cobra compliments of you. I was following you. Um, and I'll be honest, Dylan knows I had this huge deal with another company and um, 
they just couldn't really come through and there's a lot and of I, I talked to you off the ledge and uh dylan with my <laughs> you know call pastor drunk on a friday night and tipped me over and um i just said you know what i'm Amer- you know it's made in america everything i i mean how, how could i go wrong but after seeing your videos andy and dylan um you know and being in his shop and seeing how smooth these things are and me owning a gauntlet three as well i said hey you know what this is what we're going to go with and it's everything to be honest and you're right when you when you help design and get this collaborate it, it's everything a printer would think of. I mean, just those little dots with the lines on the flood bar. I mean, it's, it's incredible. The things that I'm finding on the presses, I'm going through it in the last two days of the install. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible. Is it, is it fully up and ready now? Tomorrow we're, uh, we're printing a nine colored job first thing in the morning. Um, they, it's a new press. So there's little things that they had to adjust here and there that they yeah. came out of the factory. Like we were ready to go today. We're going to put the hot head on and it's like, wait, the hot head clamp is for, Right. Style as it takes oh, its own special client. Oh, I, you know, I'm not going to be mean about it. I'm like, Hey, you just came out with this thing. Like send me to bracket. It's four bolts. I'll put it out. We're good to go. You know, mm. but they're like, Oh my God, we're so sorry. I'm like, chill out. Like chill. It's, it's fine. You know, I bought this with the knowing that it's going to need a little tweaking here and there that they couldn't do at HQ. So it is what it is. Yeah. Do you have, solid. do you have the other presses set up there yet? So I have, I still have route six. I have the gauntlet three set up on route six still. So I didn't lose, you know, too much production. And then I have the, um, the workhorse saber on the other side of this one, which I'm probably going to end up replacing down the road anyway, but. Is that one up and ready right now? Yeah, we're, we're, we're in gas and go, you know, with that. But the guys, you know, my shop, everybody, the, to see where we all started and they're, they, I invited them down here and their eyes just like lit up. They're like, I am so happy to come to work now because we are stuffed in there like, you know, like start yeah. and um, just the shop layout and all the personal touches. You know, they all have a parking spot with their little name, you know, their name and face on it. Like I, I did it up for them pretty well here. It's weird but, how that works, though. Like I'm sure it happened every time you you went to a new space. How quickly you fill up your space because you think you're like, oh fuck, you know, like I got this huge space now. We're good. But next thing you know, like all of a sudden you've got you know boxes filling it up or who knows what. You know, so it's crazy how fast it fills up. So That's something. Bad. That's something that I get asked like all the time by smaller print shops on like Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. It's like, um, like what size shop should I get and all this other stuff. And it's like, I really wish like, it's weird for me cause I own the building and I can't, I can only really do what I can do with it. But like, you need to get a lot more than you think you're going to get, especially if you're going to invest in it. Because like, even you, Andy, like so you were telling me like you expanded fucking like four times and like, you know, I can only go so far. Like next year, we literally need to like add like 40 feet onto the building because that's my only option. And, and I agree like, with you with that, Dylan. I've been up your shop. Yeah. You run a clean shop, though. It's probably one of the cleanest ones I've been in. Andy, I'll come visit you. I'm sure it's just even. This is filthy as fuck. Anytime. Like you need a hard boiled egg off the floor, then you know it's clean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things though. Like I said, like, like you, like you, you're not going in there with manuals or whatever, but like when I came into this shop, it was like, I had two manuals and like an Economax dryer in the middle of the floor. And it's like, oh my God, there's so much space for like, there's so much room for activities. Like we could have dance parties. We could have, we literally had, we literally had a scooter racetrack when we first moved in like a, like a push scooter track and we would time each other to see like who could get around fast enough because we had the space. Well, that uh, was like the time I, I did. I, uh, 
came to visit you and you and I were talking business and my dad was riding a scooter around the shop. Yeah. <laughs> well, we used to have that. And then we had like, we had like the moped area where we like worked on mopeds and then like just yeah. stupid stuff. And now it's like, there's no fucking way you could do anything extra in there because it's, it's like I, just enough room to get around everything. When we went from 5,000 feet to 7,500, I thought that was like, this is going to be the greatest, you know, like we're going to have so much space. And we finally got it finished and built out. And literally like, five minutes after we were there, it's like, this is, it was full and we needed more space. And so what's, what's so weird is, is that I remember thinking to myself, oh, should we do it? You know, should we really get more space because we could be, play it safe and we'll just, we're, we're fine. You know, like we're functioning in 5,000. Why, why, why get more space? You know, we're making it work now. Yeah. But then you get that more space. And then I think like, can you imagine even going back to, to smaller I mean, that's just, it's unbelievable. There's just no way, you know? Well, the problem is too, is that you, you get all your equipment in there and everything and you're like, oh, I've got like, I've got some extra room. Like I'm okay. I've got a little bit of this. And then you get your first like decent size order and you're like, where the fuck do I put all these boxes? Mm -hmm. It's like right now, like I, I literally have to, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about getting like a shipping container to put shirts in because I've, I've, I have I went some over, of these huge orders. I've done around those numbers like a hundred times. We were going to have a semi parked out back and just with yeah. the trailer, you know, just fill it all the time. That's and what we're thinking about doing. Done. It has been done um, up on route six though. And, you know, I had the tractor trailer in the back. Yeah. And that's the only way I could, I could, I could function is have a tractor trailer in the back that I could put stuff in and take out, whether it was inventory or equipment that was not used for that season. It was helpful. It really was. Right. I actually moved it down here too painted with the same yeah. color as the building so it kind of looks like you know blends in. well that's the thing is like you get an order like the problem is with like hoodies especially because you put like 25 hoodies in a box and it's a big box yeah. and it's like you get a hoodie order that's like oh and they need three thousand hoodies or something that's like 10 fucking pallets full of hoodies and it's like where where do you put that where do you move them and the thing is too is it's like is it just front or is it front and back where do you put the boxes after you're done with the fronts it's like it's just that's something you need to think about. You need to have like just a whole extra area of just space that you can just move shit around in. I think it's important to think about it this way too. Anybody considering getting more space and you're trying to, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to play it safe and just stay smaller is that when you, um, when you get that, when you get that, um, when we were smaller anyway, we ended up like, we were so inefficient because we were tripping over each other or we had, we had to rebox things and put them here, put them there, move boxes around just to get by and once you have that extra space and you can just put those boxes over here or put that piece of equipment over here or just spread out, you know what I mean? So you're just not all on top of each other. It's so much better. And I think that you actually right. save money, you know, then whatever that costs you in rent or, or your mortgage or whatever, or your expansion, you're going to get it back just by having oh, more space. I, I, I think I so. To, I agree. I mean, we've all printed where we had our orders out in the sidewalk and that's where we were at. We would line up like UPS would come and it'd be lined out all on the apron all day. And long. how long does it take to go out there? Like and, and get, and get the boxes out there at the end of the day. And then whatever we printed that was getting printed or UPS would go out and then we take everything else. This was my life for the last two years. We UPS would come fill up the whole apron during, you know, in the morning we print everything that was inside, take that back outside and then take the next stuff in. And that was three days three to four days ahead of schedule, the stuff coming in, you know, to stage it, to get it ready for the, you know, three or two days to get on press. So it's been, it's been like a wicked strategy of it, but the extra space, like you guys just said, I have the tractor trailer to do that up the other shop, but I just got a call from a lady. She's like, Hey, do you know what comfort colors is? I'm like, yeah, 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 I do. And she's like my wholesale lady. 
that I meet up the flea market. She's like, well, I just got like two tractor trailers full of comfort colors, trucker hats. Like there's like 20 different styles. I'm like, well, how many hats? She's like, I think like a hundred thousand of them. And I'm like, all right, I'm, you know, bring me some samples by. And she's like, well, how many do you want? I'm like, well, if the price is right. So like now where do I put like, I'm looking at it now, like 6,000 hats. Where do, I, where do I put me that? Thank God I have this larger building because now yeah. there's not here and I got them, you know, next to nothing, you know? Just well, so it looks like you got a ton of space, extra space in where you're at right now. So when I got this, I had no idea there was another building attached to it because I came here to get my tractor tire fixed. I didn't come here to buy a building. I blew the tire out of my Kubota. I drove up and it said, for sale. <laughs> and I said, perfect. This is great. Look at the size of this thing. Why and do just, you have a tractor? I live up in the country on a lake, so I do a lot of work myself. And it's like my meditation. I get on that with my boot and I just move shit around. I love it. Love it. You got love your it. new new balances on like Dylan? Mm-hmm. No, I don't wear those. I wear the Adidas. Some yeah. crispy boys? They actually match my company. See? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I actually I ordered one time you know how you can do the Nike ID yeah. I ordered some Nikes and on the back you could you know how you can write whatever so I put sh- uh, shirt Kong only you they wouldn't let me put um, Kong for some reason and really? so I had to put K and then the zero NG but I have I still have them they're stitched they're from 10 years ago or something but I it's put so them in our colors too personalization of your brand is so much fun I, I mean I did the similar thing for my first four employees that stuck around for a year, I have a Adidas SLD account and I really didn't have the business for it, but I had to spend money with them. So I had like the shoe and it had a little tag, like the little ID tag on the lace. And you know, you could do all that cool stuff. Out there, mm. but it's those touches that keep people around. <laughs> well, that's something that I always bust your balls on is like how, how, <laughs> how you put your logo on everything. 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 Why would I wear under armor? Because Dylan doesn't do that. Dylan doesn't have his logo on hats or his sweatshirt or his behind. I don't look. Or his bike or, you know, anything else. Well, when Dylan and I went out to, where do we go? Was that California? Yeah. He got like a little package because I knew he didn't really wear much of his stuff, you know? (laughs) So I made him like this like nice little tennis shirt with a hop. Dude, I still still have all that. Little white shorts. Come on, we're going to play some tennis. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, those white shorts. If I put those white shorts on, you can see everything. everything. It's like thin high like super high california silky shorts <laughs> like super silky white polo those are and coming then, back those are coming back i'll start wearing them to work but to i don't think them. people are gonna like it but no it's fun branding branding matters uh it, it matters i mean it's why am i gonna wear somebody else's brand they're not paying me you know this pays me this this makes me money and people see it so me to give out merchandise this makes sense um i have friends family business part everybody's wearing our stuff they they just like it they think it's hilarious one two it looks good you know it feels good but um i just can't really wear anybody else's stuff because they're they're not paying me i'm not an athlete i'm not getting paid millions of dollars to wear something i'm not trying to look like them either do you guys have problem because i have this problem when i go and i want to now when i'm if i want a shirt if i'm at a show or I do buy those, but if I'm out and I see a shirt and it's expensive, let's say it's 40 bucks or 50 bucks, do you think to yourself, fuck, I'm not, I just make that, you know, like it's hard for you to buy a graphic tee ever. We always have that. Go ahead and buy it. Like we always have, I think we always have that moment where like, I can make that. I did that so many, you know, I could do that. Now I'm just like, I'm just going to buy that. (laughs) Because 
I just don't want to go through the trouble of having to recreate all of that right now. But that's why the direct to garment's great because now I can just snap. Yeah, true. My own stuff. But Dylan's interested in that too. Is he? Yeah, yeah. So well, I, what? I got this because um, this is compatible with the digital squeaky. Yeah. Twenty by twenty. So you know, in a couple of years, if things you know gear up, that would be an add-on that I would bring to my shop. But there won't be. There will not be an, a third press here. There'd be add-ons to the press that's here or yeah. a replacement of the press. So that was a buying feature for the, the Cobra for sure because of that capability of that add-on. So you got the 20 by 20? 20 by 20. So I guess we have the same press because we have the 1214, 20 12, by 20. 14, you're you're um, number one, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and you're what? Number two. For real? No, I'm number three. So H, number two must be at the headquarters because that's where they're testing it, right? So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where the where, where two. I don't know is. what number two is. We're gonna have to find out where number I, two. I heard there's. I heard of a number six. It's also in New York. Well, number six. I I got messaged. They were uh, messaged through um, Instagram. They saw what was going on, and he's like, you know, the install went well, whatever. And theirs isn't our size though. There's uh, there's this. Uh, oh, 16, 18. Yeah, it's smaller. So, and there's one bigger. I don't know. How yeah, there's a X. So ours is the XL, and I think there's a double XL. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just stuck. I got zero zero three. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, this, isn't this it? Was, I was really hoping it was double oh seven, but we <laughs> yeah, who's got it. that one? I I was hoping because I'm like six. Somebody's got six. I'm getting double oh seven. I already had the gold T-shirts made up. We had James Bond posters <laughs> getting made, and then I got three. So now I got to figure that out. It'd be awesome if it's like a black press with like gold features on it, like gold anodized squeegees and flood bars. But this is how my mind thinks. Like, how could I turn this into some kind of ploy for me to market this? You know, so I'm going with the Cobra Kai because it's hot. People love it. Yeah. Well, we've we've talked about this a bunch of times, but like what um, I know you focus heavily on like your local area and like the schools and all that stuff. Tell us a little bit about how your strategy with all that stuff. So that's only what you see. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I only, uh, I'll be honest, and here I'm on, this, I'm on this platform with you. Um, I only show you what I want you to see. And, and that's what I think social media should be. I will show you the schools. I will show you all that because those accounts are not loyal. Those accounts are four years PTA moms or, teachers that become principals or principals that become, you know, different areas. So to me, it's not, they're not really loyal because every four years is like, now I got to reconnect and see, you know, how many times have you heard, oh, well, my cousin prints or, you know, this guy's husband prints. And it's like, I, I've been beaten around the bush so many times to know like, hey, I'm going to do it when it comes in, but I'm not relying on it to be a hard number in my system. Because you'll have an amazing mom who runs the touchdown club who will spend thousands of dollars a year. And then when her kid graduates and goes to college, the phone stops ringing from that person. And you hope that she transferred that over to the next person. And you hope that you can connect as well as you did with them. Now, I would say it's a 50, I would say it's a 60, 40 chance, but again, it's not something that's what you see. My, uh, what I bank on are the niches, you know, the different, the different, um, industries that I, that I really work with, um, that I print directly for, um, that work in the area in Northeastern PA and all over the country. It's just only what you see. That's super true. I remember when we first started, there was, 
that happened all the time, you know, and I had a, you get a connection. Like we had a connection with this powder puff league and it was this girl, actually, she was in charge of it. She was in one of the students and she'd bring in like cash too from every kid. There was like 300 kids and they'd bring cash and it was like thousands of dollars. Like there's just wad of cash. And, and then a Ziploc like, bag full of like $30 <laughs> and quarters. It was the greatest, you know, and then, and then next year she was, and then all of a sudden she's gone, you know? And so sometimes it happens where they're at college and then they're like, Hey, you know, we need some shirts up here, wherever, wherever they, they I go. But when I got slapped with, Hey, you're printing for the, uh, the sororities and you got to be under the, Oh shit. You know, like you get that email and you're like, all right, no problem. You get that email. Even if you aren't printing for the sorority. Right. So you know, comes... stuff like, yeah, whatever, you know, but you're right. It, but that don't, yeah. So you know, a couple of years, I, I tried to jump into the school game hard because a local business um, pulled out basically and sold. And there was an opportunity for me to jump on it. It just wasn't as lucrative or committed as I thought it was. So it was a good addition to the business. that got us a lot of exposure because being in the schools, you know, moms with, and dads that have businesses or work for places, they hear of us and it, and it snowballs back that way. So it's like a short and long game in itself, but it's a whole different beast of, of reality because they're looking for the best price to save cost. Um, and then you have your guy who walks in who owns XYZ business and he's like, this is what I want. I don't care what it costs. And I'm going to come back three to four times a year. And we know what that feels like. Like, it's a good feeling. You know, <laughs> you guys know. Yeah, like, yeah. Those are the guys that I want to work for. They're, they're the ones that see the value and appreciate, you know, the customer service that we offer you know, meeting with my staff, the reps that we assign them to, that personal touch, but still able to get it fast because it's all done digitally. So know? a couple of things. One, uh, do you, is your building, this new building, does it have exposure? Like from the road, sign so and things like that? If you were, well, Dylan, when you come down next week, you could see it from <laughs> almost seven miles away. <laughs> yeah. Well, plus you painted, you painted the whole building. I painted the building blue. Like this color blue, Half of it's blue. It has a big yellow stripe, a black base. The sea, the roof is white, and and I put a twenty foot talk shirty to me bubble outside. What do you mean bubble? Like the talk, this bubble, twenty like foot. Speech, his speech bubble logo. Bubble. It says talk shirty to me. Mm. Twenty foot on the building. And so it's lit. Oh, it's lit. <laughs> All LED. <laughs> People like said they're like they come up to the Route Six shop, and I'm like, hey, the staff is down at the new at the new production facility right down the road. Um, oh, what are you doing up here at Route Six? Oh, we're gonna turn that in Talk Shirty Me Express. I'll get into that one. And they're like, well, how do I get there? I go take a left out of here, go down the road, and just look straight, and you can't miss it. And they can't miss it because it's <laughs> it's like can fucking see it from space. If you flew into the area, you will see this big, obnoxious blue building. I mean, I'm going to get up there with the paint roller next week and put we talk shirt be on the roof. In our city, county, whatever the fuck, we have to have. There's a you have to get a sign permit, and oh. you're and we're limited. Like we can't oh. do. We're, you know what I mean? You're limited, Bert. Like, so I think it goes something like the square footage of the front of your building divided by whatever oh. is how big your sign can be. You'll so our, your you're going to huh? piss your pants. Guess who I'm sitting next to? Guess where my building is next to? Uh, the, Burrow the city building. hall or something? The, yeah, borough <laughs> building and the police department are right next door. They're like brand new state of, like brand new. They just built it. And then they had this ugly ass looking tractor building that looked like it was ready to catch on fire. So when I came in, 
I contact zoning and this guy's a hard ass. Like this guy just made a um, local insurance agent who put her name on these like, you know, Black Lives Matter signs, love is for all, like made these awesome signs. And she put, you know, blank, blank insurance company at the bottom. He goes, you take those down or it's $50 a sign. And she was just trying to do good. This guy was a hard ass, you know? So I'm like, oh boy, oh boy, I got some ideas. But I went over there and he's like, I am so happy you moved in. That place looked like shit. He's like, whatever you want to do, just make sure you get the permits. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put a sign on my dumpster. I like that idea. <laughs> I'm going to put, I put signs everywhere I possibly, he would allow me. He's like, cause right when you come to the stop sign, there's these swinging gates that come into the one side of the lot. I'm like, well, I want to put up this, you know, like see through, like at the baseball games, you can see through it, but it's digitally printed mesh banner. And he's like, well, I never heard of that. I'm like, he's like, well, banners are like $30 every six months. I'm like, no, 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 this is permanent. It's not a banner, you know, not a banner. And he's like, all right, I think that'll look good. So I, you know, gave him the renditions. That was like 50 bucks. So then I'm like, I hit him last. I'm like, I was going to paint that mural of the bubble. And it was like eight by eight. And he's like, yeah, I'd like to see a sign there. And I'm going, holy shit, that's going to cost me a lot of money, you know? And then I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. 20 by 20. He's like, 20 by 20. I'm like, yeah, 20 by 20. And I'll put a die bond signed up there. It'll be in six pieces. It'll be bolted to the building. Is it going to be backlit or lit? I'm like, it's not going to be lit. Don't worry about it. It's just no, not, not, no attention to it. And he goes, uh, all right, I'll prove it. He signs off on it. So there was an existing six by six New Holland tractor sign eight feet in front of it that was used for the you know, existing thing. I didn't have to get a permit for it. I took it down and I put a big fucking spotlight on it. It looks like a street light, but it backlights right to the talk shirt of side. So it's like, whoom. it looks like Batman just right in your face, you know? So then I just kept going with it. And then I had a local mural person come in and just start decorating shit all over the place. So this guy's like, and then you got a huge, and then you got a big spotlight on the roof that you can actually shine. We talk sturdy into the clouds. Find one like the old car dealerships had. I would do it in a heartbeat. You'd see me up in Binghamton. You've got those. Uh, you've got those like car dealership like uh, dancing floating guys, and it says "We talk shirty out in front of the building. I would really put those out though. I know you would. That's why I'm saying they probably have my face on it. Too. I know you. I know you've got personalized plates too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, so, so did I fill you in on this, Dylan? I don't know. So when I left your shop to come check out the interface, I'm driving home. This is how this is how being over marketed marketing yourself sometimes, or you know, using you could really, I guess, get you screwed up sometimes. But I left Dylan's shop. I'm heading home, and Dylan, I get like right over the border in Pennsylvania. I'm trying to truck home to get home to my kids. It was like a long, short but long trip, you know. And I wasn't speeding, nothing. Just cruising. You know what it's like driving up through there. Like, they're mm-hmm. on my pots. So I'm just, like, floating. And all of a sudden, I see lights behind me. I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know, like, I got it all. Like, I have, like, the golden ticket. You know, like, I'm out of it. <laughs> Everything I want. Like, I got it. So I get pulled over. An officer comes over. And he's like, sir, is this your vehicle? I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's my vehicle. He's like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, why did you pull me over, officer? And he's like, uh, well, the plate isn't registered. I'm like. It's not registered. He's like, yeah, it's registered another vehicle. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, do you have your registration? Of course, I didn't have my registration. <laughs> I didn't have anything. I'm like, my glove box is empty. I, you know, I just got this car not too long ago. I'm like, holy shit, I only have this. So I'm pulling up emails. He's like, well, I, 
I don't think this could be stolen. I'm like, officer, I'm going to be real blunt with you. You see that fucking mask you're wearing? I just made that for you. You see that shirt that you're wearing underneath your vest? I made that for you too. And third, it says fucking shirty on the car. <laughs> I'm wearing a goddamn t-shirt. And my hat says it too. So if you're telling me this fucking car is stolen, you can put me in cuffs right now and haul my fucking ass out of here. And he's like, and he's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, you. I'm like, you. I'm talking to you. And he's like, I'm like, go and just call dispatch and ask for this guy. And he calls. And he's like, is he fired up? So he comes back. He's like, you shouldn't have yelled at me like that. I'm like, look, I'm just trying to get home to my family. You pulled me over for my plate. It's my car. I'm telling you, because they were ready to tow me out like it was stolen. And I'm like, and, he, and then things calm down, whatever. Next thing you know, we're standing on the side of the road, busting balls, chalking, whatever. But because it was shirty, SH1 TR, you know, SH1 yeah. RTY, like shirty with the number one. I have shirty with an I and I have shirty with a five and I have every, I have two <laughs> other ones. Right. So what happened was shirty with the number one, when I went for this new, the, for the Escalade, right. For the family, the dealer thought it was an I, which canceled out my red, the, the sports right. car. Right. So now I'm driving around in my sports car for three months, not valid because it canceled that plate out. So it was a whole shitstorm because the dealer did that. Then I got rid of the sports car got another one so then that canceled out my ask the the new one so now i'm sitting here going what the fuck just happened how does this happen because i pull up my email you could do your dmv online and i show them the list of the 10 plates i'm like look at they are all they all say shirty they all say shirty in one player or shirt something and this is mine and he's like all right i'll give you you know you have 30 days to get that figured out but that held me up for two hours on the side of the road so sometimes overmarking yourself sucks. Yeah. Is your phone I number does it spell out also? I'm th- trying to think of all the ways that you can you can spin this. So. I, I liked your plate, so I ran it. And now I got pulled up. I know you have talk shirty glasses on. Right there, baby. I, <laughs> I can't see it, but you can't I can't see it, it, but I know it's there. <laughs> oh, the light. There it is. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So much so, I like, um, I just, I, I just a jokester. So I got like my wife a sublimated, um, what do you call it? Swim I saw swim. it with your face on it. Yeah, like what the fuck? Yeah, I have fun in life. You know, it keeps things it's amazing. Spread. Yeah, but it's fun. I mean, it, it is what it is. <clears throat> so when you moved, when you moved from the old shop to the new shop, did you change anything as far as like, I know I'm going to change my organization habits to something else when you got to the new place? Or did you just kind of keep everything same flow, same everything? In what regards, though? I don't know. Like before, you kind of had like your inks in a certain way. You know how you kind of had like. You're talking about the shop layout. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you and I had some discussion. We have, it's all the flow, like that horseshoe, the old military side, what goes in comes out. Um, That was some deep thoughts in that. Um, What's um, Scott from King Screen? I saw a wicked video he did where he use the shelves like 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, 2AB, right? And then he took all the inks and categorized them by the Pantone colors. So it made sense. You go to a shelf and there's all these, you know, green Pantone colors, right? And you're like shuffling through them. Now you go to the tablet and you go to 2A and there's only 12 inks on the shelf and it says 2A on it and what's in that category, like what's on that shelf. So now when a printer needs to go get their ink, they just look for the the Pantone number and it tells them what shelves it's on. And then right. at the end of the day, 
if they can't figure out where it goes, which it says two F and A on it, it goes back on shelf two A. So it, it's those little kind of details that I'm had to really give a lot of thought to. Um, mm-hmm. Those things really do matter because it saves so much time. I mean, how many times have you, I mean, your, your Pantone system, like that whole layout beautiful, but you know, how many times do you scan, like you're looking, 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 and now you, you could just go to your tablet, type it in, it searches it in the, in the, uh, the dock, and then you just walk over to that shelf and you only have to look through 12, yeah. you know, little cups instead of 30 or a whole wall, you know? So those little things like that, um, the screen room, I bumped out like eight feet and I, and I'm in there going, I should have made this bigger. But now I have a whole second floor, so now I'm thinking of putting a dumb waiter in so I could just like wait them up to the second floor and I have a whole storage right above it. How was your oh. screen room set up? So how, did, that's the horseshoe also, probably, right? So, and then- yeah, so right behind me, you can't see here, but over here is where UPS and FedEx comes in. There's like about 3,000 square feet over there. They come in, we lay everything out on the racks and pre-stage it there. It comes rolling through and it goes behind the presses on, on this back wall. Right over there. So Are there two dock, presses over there or one? I can't tell. There's two in the dryer in the middle. Okay. So all the jobs get lined up on this back wall. The print goes down the dryer, and then they push the carts right down to the end to the dryer where she has to stack her shirts for the next job coming down. Then they come right around right through here, right through this area, right back into shipping and receiving. So it just it's like that. And then all the screens, when they're done, they walk it right down over this way. And this whole side of the building is my, you know, washout machine and our dark room. So everything is in our coder and CTS. So everything is over in this area. So everything comes in and out for the press over here and everything in and out of here for production. And then each printer at each press, I, I'm like, I don't want them because owning a warehouse now, there's, I'm like trying to show them like, there's so much waste of time walking for things, you know? So like the lady, you know, my, my wonderful employee who checks everything in, she's putting all the racks out, but there's like 50 racks on both sides, carts, 50 carts and no midway. So she go to an order and she's walking all the way around. I'm like, you have to create midways every 25 carts. It's that simple. She goes, what's a midway. So I have to, I had this like long conversation with, you know, warehouse. I've read a ton of books and literature and like how to efficiently let them work creating those midways so they only have to walk around five carts in five different stations instead of walking around. When you say carts, so you, when you stage, you stage everything on carts. So they're out of the box, stacked on a cart and you have 50 of these carts. You want to see one? Yeah. Like we have carts. You bought those. You bought those at the auction, right? Hell yeah. (laughs) We don't, so we only have, we have four carts. I have two. I'm thinking I need more because we're always looking for cards. I just thought of well, I just thought of I, today, actually. I've seen other shops do that <laughs> where they basically like Ron does, where they have like every job pre-staged on a cart with like, you know, the mock-up on top and then inks on the bottom and squeegees. So all the printer has to do is wheel it over. But Dude, I just you know how much time I, I, I waste waiting for, for somebody to stack a cart? Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't so the kind of card I'm thinking of, but it works. See. Yeah, they're just they're restaurant carts with three shelves on them. You know, and they're awesome. right? But like you said, you could put you yeah. See, you could put the shirts on with a mock up and everything. So all they have to do is grab it and go. The printer, their notes, the order for the actual customer with all the sizes. This this is archaic. We don't use this. They all have tablets that they do like what they read off of. But this is in case Wi-Fi goes down or something. So we print these out for us. 
We do the same thing. Yeah, we have both. We have printouts also. It does happen. Like the the server blew or the board went out. And then what do you do? Now technology. So we have these just as a backup and a reference. So the carts, the carts really, I mean, I think I got like, I don't know, 250, 300 carts for like $3 a piece. 250? Yeah, I couldn't. You should have thought. I, I'll, I'll send you guys a photo. When I was driving out of the place, I had them ratchet strapped to my shanty van. I was driving down the road with like a big half moon as high as I could go. I mean, it was ridiculous. You, you got these carts when you got the new place. Like you didn't have these carts back you know, in the- I had in these the... carts over there and I had them stacked out back. Oh, yeah. You. We, we, yeah, but he bought them. You, you basically bought them at the, there was a, an auction of a shop we don't have to name. We don't have to name, but it was a very right. large um, production facility that uh, closed. And then there was an auction and the auction, I mean, you got some killer stuff out of it too, but the auction, the auctioneer that did the auction was local and didn't know our industry. And he they didn't know what farm, it was basically. He was a farm guy. Like he sold farm equipment and, and like estate sales. So like we're in there and there's like guys buying all the pallet racks and the pallet jacks and this. And I'm just like, a direct to garment machine, $300. No. Except yeah, everything went for super cheap. You know, and they were shit. Some of them were shit, but you know, four of them worked perfectly. Um, you know, the carts were dirt cheap, but I mean, that's, that's what you do. You, you go out and you, you put in, I took all their ink for 500 bucks. I, I mean, there was, there were gallons and gallons. gallons. And gallons never even opened the internet. I haven't bought ink in a year except for white. It was like our Ron Ron called me when he got there and was like, it was funny because they were like auctioning and he called me and he's like, Do you want this? It's going for this. It's going for this. Do you got do you want it? Do you want this? And it was funny, like I ended up getting what? Like a red chili. I got yep. the turnabout, but the turnabout was a HD and it was like they never never used it. It was still in the box. Cellophane, everything. I got it for what was it like a nine hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or something? Yeah, nine hundred bucks, yeah. and I got a, I got a red chili still on the pallet for like nine hundred bucks. Wow! Yeah, sick. They had a ton of stuff like you bought what like four DTG machines and like seven, seven of them. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it was it was just it was insane. But I I mean I I couldn't pass it up because I got my dual coder. I got my Saudi coder for like thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah, well, to me it's like. Yeah, the, the auction was fun because, like, we got stuff out of it. But you got to think, too, like, the shop who owned it before, like, how inefficient were they to where they just had all this shit because they thought they needed it and they never once used it. Like, it was all brand new sitting there. That was, like, they were so big. They didn't, I, if, you know, from the gist, because I knew the manager ran the place, they were so big, they didn't even realize what they had. They would send the stuff from another facility in hopes that they would use it, but never got to use it. Mm-hmm. And then when the production wanted to move back to their newer, bigger facility and close the Northeast one down, they just kind of took what they wanted and left everything else. Well, I feel, I feel like a lot of it too, is they had so much, <clears throat> they had so much turnaround with staff oh that gosh. they could never teach anybody how to use any of this stuff. Cause they were there like, you know, paying minimum wage. I, mean, I and, think there was like almost 2000 direct to garment machines in the building. But I mean, I, so the stuff that I picked up that I thought was worthless helped me out during COVID. Like there was a, you know, a shipping machine that does the auto the poly bagging and prints on the poly bag. Like that, that machine's like 20 grand. And I picked that up really, really reasonably to help out with shipping fulfillment. And that was sitting there collecting dust. COVID hit. 
Now I have a hands-off approach. You know, Newsweek caught wind of it and they were in my shop taking photos, but you know, we were hands-off shipping the mask and t-shirt fundraisers out because we didn't have to touch anything because it came off, got folded and then slipped right into a bag and it was gone. So I was directly the only one that touched anything. Yeah. So I lived in a bubble for a while. Customer service earlier, you have a few people in that in that role, and and what do they do exactly? So you know, you like you live and you learn on that. Um, you have you want everybody to have that feeling like they're wanted because that's what's kind of lost on the online game. You just kind of click, and that's it. And sometimes you get a follow up call or or whatnot. But if we have a larger customer that I that I know has potential to become larger because we'll grow with them as they grow or, or however we gauge it. I'll assign them a rep and that rep is directly responsible for them to make sure that everything goes smooth from start to finish. So instead of calling me or a manager, they have a rep that they could directly talk to and get all the answers through our organ, through our system. Um, we use Trello and we use it really, really well to our, to our ability. We, we tried some other stuff in the industry. Um, it just didn't sync to our, you know, like QuickBooks you'd think, but it didn't. So, we had to stick with Trello and it's it works great, but you know, they have their own cards and they have all everybody in there and we could collaborate through Slack and Trello and, and we're able to merge everything so that if that rep isn't here, I could go right in and pick up right where they left off. And that could be me. That could be the janitor. That could be my maintenance guy. They all know how to use it. They just type in the customer's name. It comes up in all of their notes, previous orders. They can move anything around. So the customer service to me is a value, you know, now, and then, because, I mean, we're all young guys, right? Um, I'm, I'm a techie guy. I so shit ton, yeah. I order a shit ton of stuff online. But, you know, there's still a huge gap of people that want to meet or talk or get that personal touch. And they're the ones that actually carry a, a boatload of cash, too. I mean, they, they own the businesses. They're in their 50s. They're in their early 60s. And they want that handshake still, you know? So assigning them the rep with the customer service Instead of, hey, could you please hold for five minutes while I go dig through some paperwork in a filing cabinet? I have no idea where I chicken scratch that. Or you call me and I'm, okay, boom, boom, there's everything right in front of me. So so this rep, uh, their their responsibilities are, they, they quote out. So let's say a customer says, hey, I'm, I'm looking to get another 100 shirts or 400 shirts or 50 shirts, whatever like it is. The they, they what? Yeah. They're like the liaison. Like when you, when you okay. go to the... You know, a concierge, they go to the, the hotel, they put everything together with the concierge. So, so they'll quote it out and then they'll uh, coordinate, they'll, they'll enter stuff into Trello. We, use, we used to use Trello, we use Monday now, but same thing. So you got to get everything into Trello, let's say. Yeah. And then you, um, and, then it, and then it hands off to the artist. And do they, do they just leave it for a little while or do they, do they follow up with the, with the art? You know what I mean? Like, so, or do... That's where the art, the customer service and the art team works together because they're tagging each other through the whole process. Because in Trello, you can use those clicks, those icons where it could tag back and forth of what duty you have to do. And then it comes highlighted on, on, on the board. So let's say the, the artist, they, they sent out, the, the art sent out. So when that gets sent out, then the rep is messaged that that art was just sent Got out. Got you, yeah. You, Got we you. use the similar thing of a colleague of ours. It, it text messages everybody or emails them by moving mm -hmm. the card. Um, so, so they know the status. They know where that, yeah. where that job is. So every day. Are in or whatever. They know everything. 
everything throughout the whole process. And to me, that's important. So how many times has your shop got a call? Hey, do you know my, you know where my order is? Right. Hey, do you, and it's like, who the fuck are you? Like, you know, Hey, do you, do you know if my shirts are done? And you know, you bite your teeth because we get complaints and sometimes I'm just like, your shirts, you know how many shirts I have in this place? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but it's the reality is this might be their first or second time. So you got to be, you know, patient with them. But in the past, that's why I had to go into this platform is because in the past is like my order. And then you have to ask 10 questions. Right. Well, now with the automation, they're notified through the whole process. And if they call the customers notified, the customer is and my staff. Yeah. Everybody knows where everything is. Like we could see as the orders move through, even with shipping, you know, like that's a disaster right now. It's still a disaster. Yeah. I mean, how much shit is missing out of your orders or, you know, like delayed. It's yeah. Today we got UPS normal time, 10, between 10 and 11. Then we got our speedy, which is like this courier service first truck. And it was at after lunch sometime. And then they, when they delivered that, they said, Oh, well, you got a second speedy coming. And that happened at like three forty-five or four. And some of those, that second speedy truck. Oh, and also we got stuff in our mailbox from the United States Postal Service. And I mean, it's all over the place, but that second speedy truck actually had shirts we were waiting on that we wanted to be on the UPS truck at 1030. And then we it's needed, all, but we all like messed up. I, yeah. but, so I'm kind of like, I'm telling my customers, I'm giving them a longer time, but everything's still coming in way before that time period, which they're happy with. I just have to, we have to give ourselves more time because so much could go wrong right now. Honestly. I mean, there's yeah. just a shortage of this or a shortage of that, you know? So yeah, if I, if I didn't have this organized shop per se with this technology that my staff and clients get to, you know, tack into, um, I'd be in a little trouble, honestly, really would. Well, uh, the month of October, we had, uh, some listeners suggest we should do, uh, we should talk about some horror stories. So, (laughs) so do you have a horror story for us? You guys go first. Mom, I don't, I don't have any. You don't have any horror stories? We just want, we just want it from you. Yeah. We want to hear yours. I want to (laughs) know. What's your favorite horror story? A customer horror story. All right. So. We use Inksoft. This, this is the most recent one. We use Inksoft. And I am sticking to my number one rule protocol in this shop. No one is to order outside of the online stores. Tell me why, Andy. Tell me why. Why don't you want to order outside the stores? Because once you write down that order, it's fucking lost. Yeah. Because nobody gives a shit about it. You know why? Because my employees follow protocol, which is whatever is ordered online gets printed. Not this little sticky note that is around for two weeks, right? So I had this lady who I knew for years. She comes in. She's like, look, at, I don't want to order on the online store. I just want to pay you cash. And then I'm like, man, I'm like, please just order online. I, I'm, I'll do it right here. And then you can pay. I'll put it on my card. She's like, no, I just want to leave you the money. I just want to leave you the money and the order. I'm like, ma'am, then I can't take your order. And she's like, well, I've been around and I felt bad. I'm like, all right, I'll take the order. So I write it down, blah, 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 blah. Guess who's ordered? They get printed. Oh shit! Kid, you know the, the the order goes out. Where's my order? I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm sorry, it, it got missed because it didn't come through the online store, and you know, and I didn't have an excuse. I'm like, I messed up. I I didn't put it in with the order because you know, it got lost. Like I was trying to explain to you. 
and then the text messages started coming off like a machine gun, like da 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 da. And I'm sitting here going, for a fucking ten dollar T-shirt, I'm getting my balls roasted here because I didn't follow fucking protocol. So if anybody's pissed, it's me. And then I, I'm just trying to be nice. I'm like, man, look, and I overnighted your shirt, thirty bucks down, right? I'm gonna make the screens over again, fucking sixty dollars plus my time there, right? Just for a fucking ten dollar T-shirt, just to shut her up so she stops text messaging. But the whole, the whole point was, you know, one, she couldn't put it on her card because her balance would hurt. She told me, like, her, her credit card would have balanced her checking balance. So, boom, I should have known. Two, I did a favor that I know would bite me in the ass, which it did. And three, I didn't follow protocol, so shame on me. But just a wasted time on just me not following it and for me to, like, really realize, stick to what you do best yeah don't make shit for any if my mother walked in here tomorrow and said i want this order at the fuck online store because it's not coming through paper <laughs> it's not yeah that's uh that's like uh we learned that along the way it's like rule number one and rule number two just to double remind you like don't don't do that do you so what happens if somebody wants to change their size well, let me do, you, do you cancel no let me flip that back so i'm not even done with this horror story so oh. then <laughs> like she sends a text worse well, I called in and they don't know where the order is. Why well, I, I keep calling in and they can't find the order. I sat on the phone for 15 minutes and she just keeps texting me. How, this is not like how a business should be run. And, I, and then I just said, ma'am, look, the reason why they can't find your information is because our protocol was for you to order online. And when you call with your order number, we could instantly find you. Like I, I'm like trying to tell her like in a nice way, this is why I didn't want to break code. So I had to waste all this time and she's getting more livid because every time she calls every hour, there's different people answering the phone, but they can't find it because she's not in the system because we didn't follow protocol. So there's your horror story, your horror story. Stick to your guns and just follow your protocol. But in Inksoft, if somebody switches their order, we could note that. Like there's a note section in there. Um, and we have three people that run our online stores. So they're really on top of it. I can't expect them to hand them a piece of paper and be like, hold on to this for two weeks and make sure it goes in. I mean, it's just a nightmare in the happening, you know? Yeah, I, I find that we have a lot of protocols, like you said, or, you know, it was like, hey, this is the rule. But like you just said, there's times you got to break them, you know, and there's, it's not just always black and white. And I, and I know you hate to do that, but you kind of make this judgment call like, okay, look, we're never going to accept another order like this again or whatever. And then, but then somebody, then you're face to face with somebody at your counter or whatever it is. And they're like, Hey, you know, we heard great things about you guys. We drove an hour over here and we want da da da. And so you end up doing it and, and you shoot yourself in the foot. You're like, I should never like, why did I do this? You know, but, but you, you, um, it's rare. You try and stay there and you say no once and then twice. And then all of a sudden you're, you're kind of doing it just to try to make it. It was like an emotional thing. I felt for the woman. She like single mom, you know, and I was just trying to help her out. And here I am now. I'm like, I could have spent all that time with, with my customers. She's not really even a customer. Well, I've definitely, I'm guilty of it too. I've done, I've broken yeah, protocol. Yeah. I think, I think I we've all. I'll, I'll probably do it again in two weeks. Cause I kind of like, <laughs> get a little fight in you, you know keep you a little we, we all do that every single day i feel like i get yelled at by my staff more than anybody for like not doing something the right way you know what well. like you're, <laughs> you're right it's right like i feel like i'm the outcast you know so that's, that's it's usually how it is it's usually the owners that are like ah i don't need to follow that rule 
and then like, well if i don't follow it then they're not gonna follow yeah it. then you get in trouble right so that's why you know we all run really tight ships and the employee handbook that we created i mean it's all i mean i never really wanted to do any of that but it's really really necessary really really, yeah. really necessary so necessary otherwise there'll be like 20 smoke breaks a day i'm the laziest fucking worker you'll ever meet if i work for you would fucking hate me well no you wouldn't <laughs> i make a lot of money but when i worked for people before i was highly like really really motivated i was just like i hit my numbers early in the day and i do whatever the fuck i wanted for the rest of my shift and they hated that because they're like could you do more and i'm like no this is what you asked me that's it <laughs> give me a goal i'm gonna hit it and then i'm fucking done you know and they're like well you should still be making calls i'm like no, I, this is my daily goal. I went over it by like, you know, 30%. I'm going to sit here all day. I'm going to do whatever I want. And they hated it. Every employer hated me because I'm just, you know, I like to overachieve everything that I, I, I try to do, you know, so. But that's you hit, him with, hit him with the Inksoft question. Okay. Yeah. We've got an Inksoft sponsored question. Right. And, uh, and so here we go. Yeah. If you could go back and relive any Halloween, how old were you and what costume did you wear? He's going to say something about last year, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had some wicked ones because I love Halloween. Oh, shit. Oh, so college. I thought it would be I, like, what do you do? You go out to bars. Everybody. I mean, I've seen people walk in like with, you know, getting their fortune. I've seen every cool costume. And I'm like, you know what? I was totally shit faced hungover. I had, you know, my share of whatever. Girls in college, whatever. Right. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm going as a freshman 15. And my, my friend said, what the fuck is a freshman 15? I said, I put on a sorority shirt, stuffed my boobies up. I put on a thong. I had my ass hanging out. I put a tramp stamp on my back. I had a condom hanging out of my wig. I had my fucking makeup smeared all over the place. I won a thousand bucks in the, in the, in the thing. Yeah. I won the best prize because I was this why I had a beard. That was the best part. I had the beard on with the fucking thing with the condom. It was a freshman 15. I was a college sorority chick in the freshman year. You know, it was, it was hilarious. Muffin top. I mean, I had a high heels on a mat. The best part, the best part is we said, what was, what was your favorite and what was the one you would want to go back to? Go and back that was the one you want to go back to. Yeah. I had the blast that night. It was awesome. <laughs> every, every, people were buying me drinks. I was like, this is great. Dylan, it's your turn. <sighs> well, I didn't really, I have never really dressed up for Halloween. Like, Get the fuck out of here. There's no I did, way. Even as a little kid? No, as a little kid, I did. But I think my mom recycled the same costume like three times. <laughs> uh, I remember, the only reason why I remember this is because there's there's a photo of it. But I remember, I don't, I don't know why my mom got this or where she got it from. But I was a California raisin. Do you remember the California raisin? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I was a California raisin. Like I had a full raisin costume. Um. But yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I didn't really dress up a whole lot. And then when I got to be like a teenager, I never went trick-or-treating. I was just that kid who dressed all in black <laughs> and then just like egged people's houses or yeah. toilet paper trees. That was fun, though. And then... That was I, Hell Night. That was the night before Hell Night. Hell Night was the yeah. shit. You had that out there? Oh, yeah. National thing? Yeah. That was like, that was like all I did. So I feel we like spent. When I was a kid, I didn't. We always spent the night at this guy's house named Hugh, and because you could sneak out of his house, no problem. Like his parents had no clue, and so yeah, you'd go and and we used to buy. We used to have a shopping cart full of toilet paper. Nobody questioned it. 
Like that was normal. Like, like a bunch of teenage kids with the shopping. We cart. all have diarrhea. The best I had. Andy, like, Andy oh, looks oh. like someone someone would have irritable bowel though, so they were probably uh, like. Be <laughs> on a little corner market to buy up all the eggs. An old man, I remember he went. Mm. And I was like, yes, he knows what we're doing. Like it was awesome, but yeah, I I miss hell night. Go do it. This I do it. This yeah. <laughs> Just I pegging work. kids. That's a fucking 30-something-year-old. From Weepock shirty hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, what was your favorite? What do you got? Uh, well, the one that comes to mind in is when I was probably uh, sixth grade, so I think sixth grade, and I don't know what I was wearing, but it was a costume. But why I remember it is because we we had this strategy of, oh, we're going to get all the, we're going to get the most candy, you know, and so we, we did really well. We had a, we had a, we had a, a, like the mother load of candy. And then it was like towards the end of the night and we were walking home. And then all of a sudden we were fucking tackled in these leaves by these older kids. And they, they kind of almost beat the shit out of us and then took all of our candy. But uh, I always remembered that because I'll never forget it. You know, like I was scared to death. Like I had no idea who just tackled us when they took all of our shit. But uh, my, it made us like we were just better friends because of it. Because we always told that story. We thought we were cool. Because that happened. Because we were almost done with Halloween by then anyway, as far as the candy thing goes. Yeah. And now every time you yeah. see Halloween candy, you get triggered. <laughs> like, <laughs> like hide in the corner. <laughs> Starts <laughs> weeping. When we go out to Long Beach, then we'll bring like little jack-o'-lantern bags of candy and we'll shake it and we'll just watch <laughs> Yeah, cower in the corner. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, I love Halloween. I mean... I have ghost like all the shirty mobiles. I put Ghostbusters on the white cars. I got Jurassic Park on the Jeeps. I mean, I, I are you one of those guys that your house is totally decked out of my house? Nothing. <laughs> my house is creepy enough. <laughs> <laughs> I live out in the country in the middle of my own property with old barn. I mean, it's wicked. It's creepy enough. Like you don't get trick or treaters anyway. If they came to my house, they got big balls. They got big balls, <laughs> little parts because they're not coming down. You know. I, I, it's all private. I got a gate and all that. I PTSD. I don't want to live by anybody. <laughs> yeah. I do my own thing. I have my own like fun, fun land up where I am. Gun ranges, bochi courts, lake boats. I have blast. Pizza ovens. Pizza ovens. You got to come over. I know. You'd love it. I'm pizza looking forward ovens. to a good meal next week. You got one of those pizza ovens that are outside. I have a forno. Yeah, I have a pizza oven. I do a pizza review too in, in our area. I go around the, and that's a cool thing I got into. That was totally like made a trophy, showed up. The guy goes, you like pizza? I said, hell yeah. I worked in pizza shops. I have a pizza oven in my yard. He goes, you want to go on camera? Sure. Let's do it. Sat down, started reviewing pizza. Next thing you know, we're like 350 reviews in eating pizza, having a blast. But now I get to meet with all these owners and they're like, Oh, talk shirty. You're, you're, you're talk shirty, man. I'm like, yeah, were the were the were you the OG pizza review guy like before? No, Barstool. Barstool has been doing it. This this is like Northeastern PA is like the pizza capital of the world. They say you know so there's all different types of styles that are all over. He was actually here in our town, but we do it more as a marketing effort for people to get exposure of their pizza and specific kinds that they offer. Um, there's like pan fried Sicilian. There's an old forge style. There's a, there's a lot of different different styles out there. But and I guess I, you, me being Italian, I put a forno in my yard because I like I like to cook. So that pizza that's made in an outside pizza oven, an Italian pizza oven, it's just delicious. It's just and I guess you get a few orders off of that. 
those reviews? I do, because that's like a cool little niche I fell into. I mean, working with a lot of pizza shops and their distributors. Yeah. And it's just, you know, but that I fell into. Well, hey, dude, thanks. Uh, thanks for doing the podcast with us. I'll, uh, like I said, I'll be seeing you next week for sure. Yeah. Can't wait. I, I wish you guys all the best of luck. Stay safe. I'll see you next right. week. Thank Don't you. And welcome to, uh, nice welcome to, to the club, Club Cobra. All right. <laughs> I got geese. Zero, zero, three. Is that what <laughs> it was? Did you say you have geese zero, being zero, made? I have geese being made, and you both get one, so. And it looks <laughs> just like the Cobra Kai mode. It's cut off, yellow, but I did, like, the bubble with the big Cobra in it. <laughs> Stay tuned. It's coming your way. I'm shipping them out. <laughs> All right, man. All right, dude. We'll see you later. Cheers. All right, cheers. <laughs>